Today on the Topping Show, Bud Light breaks their Twitter silence, Titanic submarine, full story, Pentagon accounting error leads to the Ukraine getting an extra $6.2 billion, Facebook and Google News both leaving Canada, Ford to get a $9.2 billion loan from the U.S. government to make new EV batteries, TikTok COO steps down, Furby is back, Overhead.com wins the bid for Bed Bath Beyond Assets, and Zufu has a massive toy recall. All that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to tune in. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added resource services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, see their founder release twice a day. Kyle says he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me. That's the joke. If you're an IT leader or business owner and need a little assistance, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going on to the business part of the podcast, you have Ford getting a $9.2 billion loan from the government for making new EV batteries. Now, the U.S. Energy Department awarded them that loan for the construction of new three EV battery plants in particular. And this, according to the Bloomberg article, is, quote, by far the biggest government backing for U.S. automaker since the bailouts in the 2009 financial crisis, unquote. Now, this is partially entertaining and a little ironic because Ford was the one company that didn't take government money during the 2008 recession, in which General Motors went bankrupt and the government bailed them out. You know, said Chrysler go bankrupt, government gave money, and then they were actually sold off to European assets. And now they're part of the European holding company Stellantis, which owns many brands, including Chrysler, which includes which also includes Dodge, which includes Jeep, yada yada yada. Now, the reason the U.S. government thinks this is a good idea to give this company such a big loan, which many are many are suspicious on the terms in terms of what's the percentage of interest, or is there zero interest? Probably relative to zero, and will it just be forgiven? And a fancy way of translating what a forgiven loan is to basic English means you don't have to pay it back. It's a fancy way of saying here's free money. As far as my understanding. Now, their logic is that they want to try to have the US in an attempt to reduce their dependence on China, which I'm actually shocked that people in the US government actually want to do that. They should. Many of us have been saying that for decades that they should probably try to be more independent. But now it looks like they're trying to wake up to that fact. And right now, China currently has a 80% market share on global battery production for EVs, which is astonishingly high of a number. It's not a monopoly, but it's pretty, it's, it's as close as you're going to see with the exception of maybe like a Microsoft, you know, owning an operating system for computers. Now, this is also part of Ford's long-term vision. They currently made about 132,000 EVs in 2022. And their goal is to make 2 million EVs by 2026. So it makes sense that they're going to make this investment in the big battery plants, and hopefully someday they'll figure out how to recycle them as well and make them so they're not disposable, to, so you don't need to throw out the card every 36, 48 months, or however long EV will last right now. Nevertheless, I'm still a fan of the long-term ROI, just buying a Toyota Corolla or a Camry that'll last, you know, a million miles in 20 plus years, but I digress. Other interesting business news, you have the chief operating officer of TikTok stepping down. Now the COO V. Papas is stepping down while the former Disney executive Xenia Mucha will join TikTok as his chief brand communications officer. 
and TikTok's chief to staff Adam Pressler is now leading operations. Now, Pappas had previously joined TikTok as a general manager for the U.S. in 2018 before he was able to rise up through the ranks of the company, being their interim CEO, and then eventually settling down the COO position. And they're literally looking for... The, the, the kind of a cliche, he didn't say I'm leaving to spend time with my family, which in corporate America speak, that's you got fired. He said he's going to leave to pursue other, quote, entrepreneurial passions, which maybe he was pushed out. It's hard to say. It's, it's also not the best time to go join TikTok and work there because they're having more and more scrutiny by the U.S. government. Both Republicans and Democrats are looking into the app and realizing, oh, yeah, it's basically Chinese spyware. And it's basically a brain slug for people because, again, you stare at that screen for hours and hours a day. It doesn't make you smarter, smarter or better person. And in fact, it quite the inverse reaction. If you're a child in the U.S., it just shows you crap. However, in China, the TikTok app, they call it something else, it actually teaches kids that it's cool to join or pursue a career in mathematics, science, and actually tells you to be patriotic in China to the Chinese government. Yeah, it is not a tool in that regard in the U.S. It's just junk, in my opinion. My, th my three cents. It used to be two cents, but that damn inflation, it's pretty rough. So as more and more scrutiny is put on it, and there's more and more states actually banning it, Montana being the first state to outright ban the app so that both Google, because they own, or rather Google Android, one of their many brands, the operating system for the most cell phones. Then you have Apple OS, their marketplace. Those two stores are banned from having it for the cell phone customers in those areas. So again, the law doesn't actually prosecute individuals. They're not going to arrest Sally down the street for having TikTok. They're saying that the U.S. providers for them, like the Apple store, can't be in there for the state of Montana. So that was a first. It's the first state to do it. It's been banned on all federal devices and or, um, government devices on many states, and I believe federally just passed as well, which again... If you have a federal device on your cell phone, you shouldn't have any games. You're supposed to be working. But some of them like to not work. And it'll be interesting to see do more states try to push the ban, which, of course, the U.S. is one of the biggest markets for TikTok. A lot of people are addicted to it. What's that going to do to their revenue? And, of course, the way they make money is they sell advertising. So they can go to the advertisers and say, hey, Bobby stared at this screen for eight hours a day. Give me X amount of dollars to throw a... A sugary soda company logo in their face that's that's how a lot of these apps are measured in terms of how do they sell their services or how do they sell that ad spaces how many hours are their eyes glued to the screen and with more and more bands probably makes sense that you're going to have less less screen time being used by the app which again is going to hurt their growth rate and all the revenues time shall tell to see how that situation hammers out other interesting businesses you have furby Making a comeback. Now, Furby was a novelty toy originally made in 1998 with a price point of $35. And it was a cultural phenomenal. Within their top, their best 12-month run, they had sales of $27 million for that silly little poopy thing that made noises when you yell at it. And brilliant business decision to invent that little thing. And they even had it to the point where it had cheap cheaper smaller ones at mcdonald's which is historically speaking the largest toy company on the planet because those happy meals have toys that's how many units mcdonald's pushes it's quite impressive now it's been bought and sold it used to be owned by tiger electronics which is of course now defunct 
and the, the founders actually sold it to them. So right now, the current intellectual property for National Furbies is by Hasbro, and they're going to re actually re-releasing re it right now. So if you want, you could spend $69.99 on the Amazon store. Now, it was a little disappointing because they don't look... They made it much more bombastic in terms of they're all very bright colors, very almost like a rainbow threw up on a little toy doll. So they're a lot more neon-like. And right now they're coming with 600 phrases as well as five voice-activated models. And of course they have a bunch of lights and dance modes as well. Now for the other retailers, if you want to actually get it at brick and mortar, they're going to get it at July 15th, which again is another big plus for Amazon. Not only do they, not only do they have the convenience of having the largest e-commerce platform on the planet, but negotiations like this is also how Hasbro, if I were in the contract room, I'm guessing they got upfront. There's some upfront benefits. Maybe they got cash up front, or they have a higher percentage revenue share. But there's a reason they chose to have an exclusivity contract for the first period of the product. You see that with a lot of industries and a lot of different products, even keyboards. They have some exclusive stores where you can only buy that keyboard at one store. It makes sense. It drives attendance to that particular store, and it's usually a good ROI for both parties involved. So as you see nostalgia becoming more and more of a thing that people push and sell because it does sell, you'll probably see more of these toys. But it is interesting to see Furby make a comeback. At that price point, granted with inflation, is probably relatively the same. I, it'll be interesting to see how many units they can push. I'm a little skeptical with, of course, you know, 40 year high, 40 year high inflation, people concerned about where the next paycheck's coming from, and do they need to spend, because remember, it's not just sixty nine ninety nine. you have to pay sales tax depending on where you are. It's usually between six and eight to nine percent. So maybe the 70, round up to 70, so it's gonna be a 77. It, it adds up, needless to say. And again, it's a want, not a need. For now, until they infuse AI capabilities or some magical capabilities into the Furby so you can do your taxes for you or something. Time shall tell. Now, other interesting business news, you have overhead.com placing the winning bid for Bed Bath Beyond assets. Now, the current winning bid is $21.5 million. Granted, the deal is subject to court approval, given that overhead.com, or sorry, over, what is it, overstock? Yeah, overstock. My typos are terrible, apologies. Or dyslexia, I have theories, probably both. But it's one of those issues where, given the size of that company, I don't think the judges or the government are going to get involved in terms of an antitrust issue, and as long as they have the assets to pay it, it's not creating a monopoly or really, I don't see any conflict in that regard. Now, this auction is following the bankruptcy of Bed Bath Beyond that followed in April, and that was the first bid to hit the minimum set price. Now, the deal includes all Bed Bath Beyond intellectual property, including the business data, the right to the mobile apps and certain contracts and other retail assets, but it does not include its brick and border stores. Ah, bricks and mortar. I was nostalgic about um, borders, the bookstore perhaps, but it does not include the Bye Bye Baby assets, which Bye Bye Baby was actually founded by one of the co-founders' sons of Bed Beyond, and for a while it was a separate brand than Bed Bath Beyond. Say that 12 times in a row. They actually act, acquired them to make it under the parent company. And for a while, it was a really brilliant business idea, which facilitated many parents' needs. And that's going to be a whole separate thing. So the backup bidder, in case the first bid is defunct, that is 1024. 
which is a very uninspiring name. They're a software company and they, they in particular, they want the domain. So they want the byebyebaby.com, which is worth something to them apparently. Now, the another backup bidder in case the first one goes under is Jawa Brands. No affiliation with the Star Trek or Star Wars universe. It's a J-O-W-A and they're the highest bidder for specifically the private sheets and towel label that Ben Bath Beyond owns called Wamasuda, which just goes to show the power of brands. They're willing to pay a premium for that one particular part of the business for that intellectual property for the rights to have that one brand name. Although perhaps not the best brand name because I've never heard of them before. But again, I'm probably not the target audience. I really don't buy towels. They last a long time. All I have to do is clean them. But I digress. Now, going on to the culture part of the podcast, you have Bud Light breaking the Twitter silence and immediately just getting ratioed on an epic level. Now, this is the first time they tweeted in 70 days, which in terms of social media, that might as well be 70 years. Most companies, they are tweeting five to eight to 10 times a day, whether they're pushing products, trying to interact with their customers, gain more prospective customers, and it's fascinating to see the whole whole community just go against their tweet. Now, the tweet was actually a little one-minute video, which I won't even bother playing because it's so generic and boring. And that video got 5.7 million views in about a day. However, it only got 1,675 likes. Now, that ratio just alone is abysmal. That... That means 0.029% of the people who viewed the video liked the video. Now, interestingly enough, directly under the main video from Bud Light, the top comment was simply three words. We haven't forgotten. That tweet got 6,549 likes and 106,000 views. So the top tweet has about three times more likes. And I scrolled through all the replies that I could. I spent about two minutes just scrolling through it. There was about one good one. And when I say good, I mean one that was encouraging the commercial that they posted and that they liked. Now, it should also be noted that the commercial, it was hilarious in the fact that it was just a bunch of people preparing to be happy at, you know, traditional outdoors events. They're all opening up Bud Light cans and bottles, but I couldn't help but notice not a single person drank the product. And in the commercial, it says easy to drink. So I don't know if that was like a, a weird legal thing where they can't show it being drunk or they didn't want the actors to get poisoned because there's real beer in the cans. Like, I just thought it was hilarious that they claim it's easy to drink and they don't even show people drinking the product. It was like everyone just opening the can again and again and again. So they had like they had a cliche song, so it might get a little pop. Might, there might be some people who liked it for that regard. But needless to say, in addition to having most of the responses being overwhelmingly negative, they all, that wasn't even the worst of it. They hid many, many, many more negative comments, which is something you can do if you apparently if you post on Twitter. I think I don't know if you have to have a business profile in particular, but there's actually a button where you can, you, so you and you and I, we click it and it shows you the hidden tweets. 
those are viscerally entertaining and negative and toxic towards the brand, as some might say. Others would say it's highly entertaining and hilarious. I'll let you decide. But many of those responses are too visceral and too, um, I'm trying to think of a nice way of saying adult content, inappropriate for, it's one of those things where I couldn't even tell you the amount of things that are on that in that regard and then the content in which they're posting on that particular part. Now, Anheuser-Busch is trying to combat some of this. Now, their latest advertising campaign, they're going to try to give away about $10,000 a week to a fan for a little while. Also going to give customers a chance to win $100 towards their bar tab. And they have some rebates as well going over the weekend of July 4. But in terms of the cultural pushback against Bud Light, it is... I've never seen such a ratio of so many people pushing back on a product after they just feel like they've been stabbed in the back and again they don't think it's appropriate to target children with their advertising campaign. Now in terms of a business strategy, I think the only way Bud Light might just need to overwhelmingly just spew out, they have to push out so much content and tweet so much that it actually wears down the resistance and start good comments start rising to the top, maybe. That's what Call of Duty is trying and it seems to be working a little bit. You're starting to see some positive comments. They're also deleting some. But it'll be interesting to see how that evolves. Now, other interesting culture news, you have the whole story of the Titanic submarine. Now, this is a story in which you had a private company by the name of OceanGate, where the CEO Stockton Rush. He made his own submarine using a mixture of off-the-shelf components, as well as working with some engineering resources to put together some interesting design for this submarine. It was an instance where it lost contact about, um, it is tragic, unfortunately, we have answers of, some of the answers of what happened, but it was an interesting entrepreneurial idea to have a commercial market where you can bring tourists to the actual site of the Titanic, which is a life, once in a lifetime experience. And for many people, like space exploration, the cost is so high, and that's for many reasons. Now we're finding out perhaps also safety, but, it's also one of those things with a massive volume, you can decrease the price per unit. So part of why I'm a little disappointed people are so viscerally toxic about the situation is they're not seeing the big picture, in my opinion, where these types of explorations, these types of initiatives, these types of activities help drive down the cost so eventually it will become consumer grade. Same thing with space travel. It will happen eventually. The thing, I mean, air, air, just airplanes in general, just being able to fly from one state to the other, that was really out of this world for many, many years. But a lot of people took a lot of risk and now that's a big industry and many people enjoy that. I was about to say privilege, it's usually a hellish experience to actually fly for me out of reasons, but I digress. This particular ocean company, or rather submarine company, they charged about two hundred to $250,000 per trip to go see the Titanic. And a lot of people were concerned because on the first page of the release, which is, you know, the contract saying, please don't sue us. They mentioned death three times. And the CEO actually gave like a mini tour on it. And he did use quite a lot of off the shelf parts. So this is a reporter from the New York Post. And we'll play a little bit here. An experimental submersible vessel that has not been approved or certified by any regulatory body and could result in physical injury, disability, emotional trauma, or death. Where do I sign? Uh, 
That's it. All right, so it this is like the this is the founder. That's it. It should be like an elevator. We only have one button. That's it. It should be like an elevator. I couldn't help notice. Now, that is a very novel idea. You're seeing this isn't the only instance that concept is being pushed and explored. You're seeing a lot of automotive companies trying to get autonomous driving off the ground and it's an interesting idea where you basically want to have a hands-off, a really very little input by the consumer in order to have the product or the experience work. And a lot of people see this as a huge attraction. Personally, I'm kind of the opposite. There's a reason I drive a stick shift vehicle with three pedals as the best vehicles always have. But it was an interesting idea where he wanted to have a kind of, a, and in IT we use this term called turnkey solution, where you just press this one button and the whole thing takes it away. How many pieces of this sub seemed improvised? We can use these off the shelf components. I got these from uh, Camper World. Now, I don't think that particular component really matters. It's literally just a light bar that he put on the inside, although, you would always want redundancy. That's something we talk about a lot with IT. You probably want much more redundancy in this issue or instance as well. We run the whole thing with this game controller. The whole internet was viscerally entertained with the fact that he used a Logitech video game controller in order to control the submarine. And the memes were ridiculous. People saying, oh yeah, you forgot to charge it. It's it's just a you know it's a cheap thirteen to twenty dollar Logitech controller. <laughs> now, he also did note in another interview that they have multiple controllers in the submarine. So if one were to break or the batteries die, that wouldn't be the central point of failure. And it's also one of those issues where it sounds silly, but there are many applications for video game controllers, partially because they're so intuitively and brilliantly engineered and designed. The U.S. Navy, the U.S. government, there are many military applications where they're controlling drones and other submersibles with those controllers. Because guess what? They're very easy to use. And the youngsters joining the military, they got experience. They're using those devices already. So there are many instances where you see those controllers being used. I don't think that was why there's the issue. And it's a very tragic incident where about, I believe, nine hours, the submarine lost communications with the, and they just, they never came back up. Now, there are a lot of people wondering why this happened. Industry experts actually did a whole critique on his setup, and one industry expert critiqued them in particular for having a carbon fiber used in the pressure hull having young and experienced technicians, not having any subject matter experts, no way of ventilating the pressure hole, no emergency breathing, no voice communications, time lost during test. And of course, this is like everything in life turned political. The CEO, and this is actually a little disconcerting and political, he said that they didn't hire, quote, 50-year-old white guys because they weren't inspirational, unquote which doesn't make them look good in this instance, especially because in terms of the most risky behaviors, rather the most risky events in your life, you probably want someone with, I'm trying to think of a nice way of saying this, with a little bit more gray hairs up on top, like me. Well, I have a couple or many, but it's one of those things where 
people appreciate experience. Experience is a great thing. I, if I go on an airplane, I would love to see a pilot who's done hundreds and hundreds of flights successfully. They'd, they'd probably be a little bit more, a little bit more confident in that person's capabilities because they have a proven track record. And in this case, they chose, you know, people with much less industry experience, much less hands-on experience. Now, people on the right are trying, there's a lot of uh, memes around this, which also is a kind of a little bit of a damper on my faith in humanity. Half the memes um, from the right perspective are saying, oh yeah, go woke, go dead, or something pejorative in that regard. And people left, even perhaps more disconcerting, are cheering his death. One, because many of the men on the board were ex they were successful, as in they actually they were billionaires. And two, apparently the CEO made donations to Republicans. So of course he has to be evil. Because that political party, only that political party evil. It's not both, they're all sides. But it's been quite uh, disconcerting to see the pe it, I don't know if it's ironic, hypocritical, or entertaining, perhaps all three. But the people who are communists and say, oh, yeah, yeah we, we, we don't hate people. We, we just think everyone should have the money. We don't hate the rich, though. And then this happens, and they're all cheering on death. I can't think of anything more repugnant or disgusting than that. To actually actively cheer that people died. Because they had a successful career track. They made risk and in investments because they gambled on themselves or entrepreneurs. To actually have joy in that, that's disgusting. Now, in terms of the breakdown of what happened, with the data we currently have, the U.S. Coast Guard has recovered some of the parts, and the parts appear to be structural. And with the current data we have now, it appears that the submarine had a catastrophic failure in which it just immediately just crumpled inside. Now, it's horrifying and quite sad for the families as well as, well as the men inside. The silver lining, as cruel as it sounds, is that it was, on all accounts, all analysis, quite immediate. Um, so they didn't feel any pain, hopefully. And the alternative, when you think of summer, submersibles, the main issues are usually catastrophic failure because implosion, or they run out of oxygen. And running out of oxygen is also extra concerning because that's going to take a, it takes time and it's a long, painful ex experience. So there's some solace that they did not suffer according to the data we have now. Now, rest in peace, the men on board were the CEO, Stockton, the French mariner Paul Henry Narglet, British businessman and explorer Hamish Hardin, you have Pakistani businessman Shadasu De, uh, Dawood, as well as his son uh, Solomon Dawood, and apparently his son was only 15 years old. And now there was some sauce as well. The debris apparently was found about 500 meters from the bow of the Titanic, and it sounds crazy, but I hope they saw it because there's a certain beauty in seeing the thing you, in perhaps achieving what you really wanted before the end. Even if it's just they wanted their whole lives to see that, that piece of history, perhaps it brought them, perhaps it brought them some uh, peace in those final minutes. And it is unfortunate the CEO looks like he took he cut a lot of the corners to make this thing work. It did have successful track records.
and they gained some great beautiful footage on previous journeys but time shall tell to see if there's some lessons learned and hopefully this doesn't happen again now other more upbeat or at least not depressing news you have the pentagon having an accounting error that led to the ukraine getting an extra 6.2 billion dollars now the pentagon announced tuesday that a accounting error meant that it overestimated the cost of weapons and ammunition sent to Ukraine in the past two years, which created a $6.2 billion surplus that, of course, will be used for future assistance. It's, we're not going to save money for the taxpayers. Just print it. Send it. As the youth would say, I think that's a term. Yeet. It's a term in which you send stuff. Not on an email like you throw a football or, I guess, in this case, shipping weapons and such. Now... Spokesman Sabrina Sai said that a review of the counting error found that military used the replacement cost rather than the book value of the equipment that was pulled from the Department of Defense stocks to send to Ukraine. She claimed that the final calculation showed the error of $3.6 billion in the current fiscal year and $2.6 billion in the previous fiscal year, which ended September 30th. Which, in terms of accounting, is fascinating, the different things that go about in accounting. That's why I always recommend people when you start LLC hire a very good accountant because they'll help you navigate the literal sea of all the unknowns of which there are many and i always tell people you never get in trouble for underpaying your taxes rather unless no wait oh hunter biden but average people I, let me uh, rephrase that you never get in trouble for overpaying your taxes if you underpay it average people you will go to jail and your life will be destroyed so it's one of those things where no one likes to brag about paying taxes, but I always tell people, overpay. Every estimate it is, just overestimate. And then have your accounting representative, have them look at the numbers, tell you about the current laws, the current mechanisms, what you do, triple check it, and sign off. Now, it'll be interesting to see, I mean, at what point do they stop getting money? Because it's over $100 billion sent over there. And that's... To me, that's a lot of money. I don't know about you, but that that's a lot. And in terms of like the global community, the other country, like um, other countries supporting the Ukraine, who are apparently our allies, aren't really stepping up to the plate fiscally in that regard. Other interesting political news: you have Facebook, Meta, as well as Google, to stop sharing news in Canada. Now, in a corporate blog post, the company, the Facebook company, said. In regard to the news availability that quote will be ended on facebook and instagram for all users in canada prior to the online news act bill c18 taking effect again from political perspective f for marketing because bill c18 sounds boring and no one knows what it means although perhaps that's the reason politicians use that just because they know average bumpkins and people like us average folks that they, they won't look into the research they just see a number so perhaps that's actually political it's corrupt oh i don't know it's political deceitfully brilliant something along those lines but this is both google and facebook they're both against the bill because it would force them to negotiate compensation deals with news organizations over sharing the links to news content produced by publishers and broadcasters which yeah that's ridiculous that makes no sense why they should get a cut of that why they should get a cut of that money if they're just sharing the link which Again, is another reason for them to get the hell out. Now, it's not full-blown set-in-a-stone law yet. The bill passed the Canadian Senate, but it still awaits the royal assent before it formally becomes a law. 
So some of those fascinating things were, again, businesses need to be involved in politics, especially the researching of it, because you could be out of compliance or you could be breaking the law and not even know it. So they're getting ahead of the game in this regard. And they're just saying, we're not going to negotiate with terrorism. Well, corporate espionage, I don't know what you want to call it, extortion. But again, yeah, there's no reason you should get paid to share a link. And that'll be interesting because they are two of the largest news mechanisms and the way that people get data are Facebook and, well, Meta, whatever they want to be called. Really interesting to see, will Canada back down or will they... Will they kill the bill? Because you have two of the largest companies starting to block that capability. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, you have Zuru recalling 7.5 million kids' toys. Now, this toy company is recalling their Baby Shark and their Mini Baby Shark bath toys. And it is a recall due to the risk of impalement, laceration, and puncture injuries in children, which... Yeah, those are three very bad things. Now, in terms of the breakdown of the products, that's 6.5 million baby sharks and 1 million mini baby sharks, which goes to show you, even though they're baby sharks, they're still still dangerous. Pun moderately intended. Now, the resolution for this is going to be, they're sending out a notice saying immediately stop playing with these toys and to contact Zuru for a full refund in the form of a prepaid virtual MasterCard which is perhaps a, that's the that's a smart business move in terms of the cost and logistics to have all these end users shipping the products back. And of course, people complain about the emissions and all the, it, it takes energy to do anything and to send them just to send them to a dump, just have the people cut out that middle step to have the people throw in their trash or recycle if it's some type of plastic, which apparently it is. But Having recalls are especially bad business-wise for children's toys because not only just morally, children are very vulnerable, they should be protected. And it's also one of the things where emotionally, parents are always, or good parents, which are hard to find, good parents are always attentive of what is this toy made out of? Does it have lead paint, which has a big fiasco a couple years back with some toys? And also, can it hurt the child? And for a brand to break that trust, it's very hard to win back. It's Parents are very loyal to the brands that they trust with their children. And to rebuild that trust is not an easy feat. But time shall tell to see how much this really affects Zulu in the long term. Or Zuru. Z-U-R-U. I'm not saying they get an F for marketing, but D- minus because I don't think that's an easy word to pronounce in all universal languages. It's a global economy, so you want words that are easy to pronounce everywhere. But... The U.S. is a big market too, and I don't. I think I'm butchering it. I probably am, but and to have such a massive recall for kids' toys in particular, that's got to be the business blunder of the day. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Cannot thank you enough. I really appreciate it when you take the time to like, subscribe, and comment. It really helps the channel out, grow, and develop. I'm really trying to get to a goal of 3,000 subscribers in the next 30 days. So we'll see if we can get there together. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers. Heck, tell your enemies. Tell anyone and everyone. Just stay safe and fight the good fight.